All right, uh, here we are for the second episode of Sky Mail, the Blake Sky Private Eye mailbag portion, where we answer real questions from you, the loyal viewers or listeners, I guess. It's very hard to view a podcast, but you can do it, I suppose. But it's not just me here in the uh, timeless void beyond uh, space and reason. Uh, I have a special guest with me. You know her as uh, Gabby, or the voice of Eleanor Kostansky. Gabby, say hi to the nice people. Hello. I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> which is why yeah. my mic quality may not be as stellar as I'd like it to be, but yeah. No, I, I think what Gabby is trying to say is that she's uh, more than willing to take time away from real life to put up with my bullshit and help me do this uh, this segment this week. <laughs> Which is much appreciated. Uh, of course. So, uh, Gabby, why don't you why don't you tell folks at home, the the listeners, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my name's Gabby. I am an immigrant to Canada. I live in gorgeous Vancouver, um, British Columbia, and I am an all around creative. Like I love doing everything. Um, and from like art to music uh, to writing, um, this is my first foray into voice acting, and it's been so much fun. Um, Eleanor is an extremely uh, delightful character to play, and uh, yeah, this is a, a great journey, and I am very happy I get to ride along with you all. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, definitely not not to not to belabor the point, but. I, I I knew pretty early on that I definitely wanted Gabby to to have a role in this, and Eleanor seemed like just a, a perfect fit, and she has taken the character and really made Eleanor her own, and just kind of shaped the way that I view her and molded everything, and it it it's just one of those things where like the not to get too Lovecraftian, but where the stars are right and uh, everything lines up perfectly. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, uh, just cannot cannot stress enough how amazing Gabby is as a as an artist, as a voice actor, and as a as a general human being on the face of planet Earth. So, oh, geez, thanks. Definitely, uh, definitely. If you're not following her on Twitter, uh, what the hell are you doing? Uh, <laughs> fix that. Look at that plug. Look yeah. at that. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I just grasses. That's a that's a twenty on persuasion right there. <laughs> uh, wait, this isn't an actual play. This is this is scripted, damn it. Oh, uh, learn them lines. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, if if you're ready, let's let's open up ye old mailbag and uh, see what the first thing that we've got here is. You uh, got to edit in some like rustling of papers sound yeah. effects again. Yeah, I'm totally not going to keep this portion and you know just go straight to it i'm, I'm definitely going to edit in some stuff right here and it's not going to be yeah. just me continuing to talk instead of actually answering questions uh, <laughs> i'm definitely taking a tip from the neo scum mailbag on that <laughs> gonna see Thanks, if i gonna, gonna see if i can get uh, th three questions in two hours oh uh, <laughs> no i kid i love you neo scum don't ever change <laughs> Okay, so the first question that we have is from uh, Achillea, who, again, friend of the show. I know I say that for literally every person that writes, but it turns out I have really good You're friends that, that friends. actually... <laughs> we're all friends here. Uh, yeah. But no, it just turns out that I have friends that listen to the dumb things that I write. The, the question is, 
how long does it take to write an episode? So cr- Cradle to Grave, Cradle to Grave, it usually takes about a week to two weeks to, to go through the episode to kind of polish it up and to get it where I want it to be. Right now, I, I've got the major plot points kind of stored in the old noggin. Uh, it's just kind of the, the finer points of the dialogue and some of the sound design that I kind of hash out. But with that, the actual writing and stuff, I, I, <laughs> I try to get ahead. And then every time that I get a little bit ahead, uh, life rears its ugly head. And I, I managed to get to keep to the schedule, but I'd really like to, to get a little better about it. But, you know, uh, you, you try having a 10 month old. <laughs> get off my back, man. Yeah, babies. <laughs> babies are are legit. Um, yeah, I've always been really impressed because I feel like when you've run material by me, you've you pretty much have it or it'll come in like kind of like a shotgun blast like you'll you'll get the inspiration you'll run with it and then it's very quick to production time um which is cool to see and to be a part of yeah um well it, it helps when you're trapped at your work for 24 hours at That'll any do given it. time and uh yeah. your your internet's garbage and, and all that <laughs> stuff and you're just like wow uh this place sucks uh, so I think what you're saying is that like any any hopeful creatives should probably join the Navy. Yeah, if if you if you want to really focus on your craft and also wake up every day <laughs> with a deep sense of regret, uh, I recommend service in the United States Navy as a submarine <laughs> officer. <laughs> it's just top oh. top notch. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Going going down to the second part of the question, the the mystery for Blake Sky to solve. Oh, this is this is actually another in character uh, noir sona question from Achilles alter ego Amelia Caldwell, and it says uh, Amelia Caldwell wants to know if you've seen her associate slash beau running uh, roaming the streets. She fears oh. the worst may have happened to them this time, and really wishes they'd get out of the business. Any leads, Mister Sky? Oh man, I'm, I gotta. I got to slip into character already. Uh, I mean, I've yeah, gotta, yeah, get that throat, get I've, that throat warmed up. I've got a, I've, I, what I mean is I have to go get Blake sky so that he can answer this. Uh, <laughs> gargles, gar- gargles, gargles, gravel. Gravel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and for, for everybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, the noir sona was a dumb thing that I did, uh, where I, I literally just made like 80 noir personas for people that liked a tweet. It was great. It was, it was fun. It was just a lot to go through. Um, it was a lot, but it was cool. Achilles uh, was uh, head of a local social organization trying their best to fight poverty, illness, and hunger. On again, off again relationship with a leg breaker who can't get out of the life. So uh, with that set up, hey, uh, hey, Blake, can you uh, can you come over here and uh, maybe answer this question? Yeah, sure. Just uh, let me read over this for a second. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, Miss Caldwell, I haven't really heard anything at this time, but, uh, you know, the, the life of a leg breaker is a dangerous one. Half the time you're putting other people through the ringer, and then the rest of the time you're getting put through yourself. I'd say, uh, check the hospitals and the morgues if you're serious about this. I'll keep my ear to the ground, but, uh, you know, I've got mouths to feed, too. Well, uh... Hopefully this has been inspirational for you, but uh, I'll let you know if I find anything. 
And, uh, yeah, there we go. Thanks for that, uh, that uplifting talk there, Mr. Sky. Wow. I was just here. Yeah, I know. Thanks to the magic of editing, I conjured him oh into existence. Oh my god. Alright, I guess, uh, on to the next question. We've got a second, second question, first mailbag, and now this one. That's a, that's a two-time streak. One more, and it's a hat trick. Uh, <laughs> Lewicky Lyle Smith has... Are there fictional detectives from our world that exist as characters, fictional or otherwise, in Blake's world? Does he look up to or draw inspiration from any of them if they do? Uh, you know, I, I definitely think, like, as far as fictional detectives go, that at least all the ones that exist up to the time frame of, like, the, the indeterminate time frame that Blake's guy takes place in exist. So, like... You've got your Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You've got your Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Murder in the Rue Morgue. All those, all those exist, and I'm sure that he's read uh, a decent amount of those. But if we're talking about like, you know, the the classic film noir detectives, if we're talking about like Sam Spade, you know, Marlowe, then I don't know. I haven't really, I I, I haven't really thought of them being like actual contemporaries it's certainly an interesting thought oh yeah and i'm not gonna him, lie him running into things like and, <laughs> yeah i you know i'm not gonna lie i love a good crossover i love a good a good team up so it would oh, be yeah. it would be great Little to have dirty timeline tango yeah ha have a have a crossover at some point in the future with him with Really, really like any other characters. You know, if you have a character that fits into this, uh, uh, please please send that character to PO Box seven one seven, Bremerton, Washington. That don't actually do that. That's not my PO Box. I don't have a PO Box. Uh, some poor, some poor person. <laughs> <laughs> start. Just get a oh. whole bunch of original character. Please do not steal art. You know what? Maybe it would make them happy though. Like maybe they never get mail. Yeah, you know what? Send send it there anyway. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't. I don't think that they, if they exist, I don't think that Blake Sky knows about their exploits. But I definitely think he'd share a drink with them. And I think that as far as the classic, more kind of whodunit detectives, that he definitely read those, and those kind of inspired him to have a love of problem solving and. Uh, and logic, but that as time goes on, Blake has definitely gotten away from like the idealized view of the detective and more of the gritty daily life of the private eye. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah, I definitely get where you're where you're coming from. I admit I am fully like hooked on the idea of like a segment where it's sort of a bar out of time and space, and he's like sitting at the counter as these little like skits oh. Oh, where. My other other detectives I'm just or imagining characters what... are sitting next to him even from like other podcasts like he just randomly chats with them these little mini skits i yeah. dig it yeah uh <laughs> uh like yeah lakeshore and limbo uh the lovely craftians if you if you want in on this i love your guys <laughs> stuff if you if you want this come on down uh but now you've got me thinking about like a scene like the nighthawks but with nothing but film noir detectives. <laughs> it's such a downer. Like, oh, they, they're all just so gruff and haggard. <laughs> yeah, and and whatever uh, whatever establishment they're at just cannot keep enough liquor. No, no, they're 
Oh, they're they're done. <laughs> All right. Start having to move on to Shirley Temples. Yeah, just <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> uh, all right the uh, the mystery for Blake's guy to solve for this one uh, going back to their first question was that the someone had been stealing the cat's tails in town and the cats are crying about their stolen tails uh, still should we do something you know I gotta say I mean I, I, fig- I figured a stern warning would be enough to keep this from happening but obviously it's not uh, we, we gotta we gotta st- who, who, do, who do you turn to for stolen cat tails? Who? Pink Panther. <laughs> we just, if, you know, going th- going through the, the Noir Sona list, going through the Noir Sona list, I'm just trying to see who we have that, that's that's a that's a, a bad enough person to just wreck shop and keep this from becoming an issue again. Uh, we've got, we've got Of Quartz. Unassuming cabbie by day, by night roams the dark parts of the city as a vigilante face obscured by a cheap bandana. He's starting to draw police and mob attention. Won't stop until they get answers. You know, I'm I'm sure that of courts can handle this. So I'll, I'll, I'll put up the vigilante uh, notice and we'll we'll see what we can do about this. Yeah, whoever investigates better fuck them up. <laughs> yeah. All I'm going to say, man. Yeah. On to, on to question number three. We've got uh, Justice in a Steel Machine of Death, which, great song. If you guys aren't listening to Tupperware Remix Party, uh, <laughs> do it now. It, it, they are an awesome band, and that is a great song. The question is, is there an injustice that regardless of consequences, if Blake Sky witnesses it, he cannot resist the urge to intervene? Uh, well, I mean... You know, I, I think that the last episode kind of touched on that a little bit, where Blake Sky definitely has, like, a protective side to him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely allowed a fair amount of, you know, harm and just bad stuff to happen because that's the nature of living in a noir city. But, you know, I, I think that he generally views that there are some people that can take care of themselves and there are some people that can't. And the people that can't take care of themselves don't need any more garbage put on their plate. Everybody else, you know, kind of gets what life hands them eventually. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think that that's kind of his personal mantra. Not saying that it's the right thing. Uh, the right thing is to treat everybody that is respectful with respect. There are some people that don't deserve respect and they are garbage people that hurt other people and screw them <laughs> now it does to to kind of add on to this question um and feel free to be evasive if if it's needed but does that does this mentality um regarding like the strong sense of justice and protecting the weak and that sort of thing does that stem from a life experience Ooh, uh, you know, that's actually, yeah, that's actually, that's a good point. You know, we, we haven't really delved into Blake's backstory a lot, and it's something that I yeah. that I want to touch on in the future. But it definitely does tie into his worldview, which is informed by the circumstances of his life. I mean, to give a, a broad overview that doesn't steal too much thunder from the future. I mean, you know, he had a life before being a detective that was on a certain trajectory, and then things changed and uh you know he he served in the military 
and then got back and kind of fell into the detective gig. And I mean, the the set of circumstances that that exposed him to definitely kind of jaded him and tarnished his morality. Hmm. But he still has tried very hard to hold on to at least some aspects of what he thought a, a person should be. Yeah, cool. But again, uh, hope like we'll we'll get hopefully get into that in the future because I definitely you know I I just I literally just want to make episodes that are just literally going through all of these characters' backstories and stuff like that. <laughs> oh but, yeah, but it's it's also I also try to make the recordings fairly organic, and most people don't just sit down and talk about back when I was a boy growing up in rural Kentucky sort of monologues. All right, and then the mystery for Blake Sky to solve on this one is, I think one of my neighbors ate the other neighbor's dogs. How do I confront them about it? Should I even do that? There is a lot of pet violence. I was just about to say, is this JoJo's Bizarre Adventure (laughs) up in here with the amount of animal violence that we're dealing with? Like, did we, like, literally, like, is Araki writing all these questions to us? Because I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it is true that, the most surefire way to make you hate a villain yeah, is oh, to yeah. have them yep. be cruel to an animal. Goddamn I mean, right. That, that, I mean, that's the reason that there's the kick the dog trope. Like, that's a bad man. Yeah. The bad man kicked the good boy. Like, yeah. it's all it's done. Ba- bad man kicked good boy. And now it's time to round up a posse and then... Uh, Destroy. Yeah. Li- literally murder every atom. Yep. But, uh, you know, going, going back to the, the question at hand... I guess, I guess some questions to the question. One, you said that the neighbor ate the other neighbor's dog. Well, think that one neighbor ate the other neighbor's dog. Uh, what kind of dog was it? Because, I mean, if it's... Do you feel the Yeah, does the weight of the uh, the breed, like, not weight is, like, I mean, in terms of if it's, it's a chihuahua that gets eaten as compared to, like, a, like a Labrador. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. Is there a moral it, it, difference? If, if it's a, if it's a... If it's like a St. Bernard, that's that is an effort. That is a concentrated effort. But if it's yeah. like if it's like a like a like a Yorkie or something like that, I think you could accidentally eat a Yorkie. I think it's possible. They're, they're small. So, you know, just just kind of sort that out. And then how do I confront them about it? Should I even do it? Uh, yes, obviously, you should confront them about it. If you suspect list, listeners at home. If you sus- if you suspect a neighbor of eating a dog, yes, confront them about it. Caveat: unless you think that they will proceed forward from dogs to people. That's my only. That's my caveat on that. Mm. And if they if they if they will eat people, then you can still confront them. You just need a posse with you with sufficient force to overpower the dog eater slash possible cannibal you, you know that you know this, this yeah i gotta say no 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 other podcast gives you such practical life advice this is this is true <laughs> next time you're you find you know your neighborly canines have been consumed yeah or your cats have been detailed yep yep oh god detailed i made a joke and i didn't even try god damn it <laughs> All right, next question <laughs> before I hate myself more. So this one comes from uh, Kale, which said it before. I'll say it a million times. I don't care. Friend of the show, 
Everybody's a friend of the show. Everyone friend of the show. Kale is awesome, and they have done some serious legwork repping the show, and uh, there's, you know, just so, so much, so much good stuff. Question is, what inspired each of the characters? Genre tropes? Friends? Sudden, unprompted inspiration from the void? Uh, to answer the question, uh, yes, I am such a creative genius that everything that I have done is spun whole cloth from the palace of my mind. I am the voice of a generation. Uh, there, there, there will never be a creative mind like like me in. I, I don't want to be vain. Two thousand years. Two thousand. <laughs> no, for for everyone that does not know me, uh, I have far too much of an ins insecurity and inferiority complex for any of that to be true yes this is this is extremely <laughs> true no um i mean i kind of talked about it before on the last sky mail but one of the things that i tried to do, that i tried to do with this show is maintain a lot of the genre tropes but lose the garbage parts of them like it's it's one thing to have like the the traits of the femme fatale character, I think, are one of the things that I like. But I don't like a lot of the ways that femme fatales are used or all of the aspects of a depiction of a femme fatale. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, uh, I also touched on on the last episode, uh, LGBTQ rep representation, minority representation, all, all of that basically either non-existent or done in a way that's super garbage. Uh, I don't know. I, the tropes are important to me because the tropes are the touchstones to a genre. And it's the it's the language of the, the genre. Oh, yeah. So, for, for Blake Sky, I guess. I'll, I have been replaying Max Payne to the fall of Max Payne on Twitch, uh, which I, I stream on Twitch every Friday, if you don't know. Yeah, get that chill money. Uh, get in there. <laughs> But I've been playing through that, and somebody literally said to me, I see where you got a lot of your inspiration for Blake Sky while I was playing through and narrating Max Payne's gruff, ham-fisted metaphors. And I'm like, huh, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the way that I associate noir protagonists definitely comes from Max Payne. I think that... The, Blake Sky is a little bit more of like a cross between like a thinking man's detective and the classic hard-boiled detective, but because hmm. uh, God, I mm, I can't say anything. We aren't there yet. Nope. Yeah. Damn it. Got to hold it in. Hold it in. Yep. Yep. Hopefully, you all will see in the future that Blake Sky is not, in fact, just a dumbass that wanders into bad situations. He is a dumbass who wanders into bad situations, but also. <laughs> is capable of solving a puzzle or two. With regard to the other characters, oh man. So August Howard, the the professor from the first episode that uh, a certain uh, student assistant murdered violently with a knife. Hey. I mean, he had it coming. Harsh. He had it coming. He harsh. only had himself to blame. Yeah. I mean, if, if you'd have been there, if you just and it was dark. It was dark. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> some conclusions got leapt to. Uh, also, also, I, f I feel like my Chicago references are just being completely wasted here. <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, no, I got, I, I should have. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he is, you know, there, there's, there's some cosmic horror in this. Uh, yes, I made my villain in the first episode, basically HP Lovecraft, because I want to murder HP <laughs> Lovecraft a little bit because he's a horrible garbage man that made really good pieces of art. And it makes me angry that I have to like them and hate him. I wish people that made things that I like could just be decent. Yeah, that would really make uh, everyone's life easier if people could just be decent people and yeah. make good things. You know what? I'm, I'm putting this out as a call to everybody. Make cool things and be decent. That's that's yeah, my re- that's my request to everybody. If you want to get me anything for Christmas, have it be that. <laughs> uh, Eleanor, Eleanor is kind of. I really wanted to subvert the damsel in distress trope that you see in a lot of film noir. The 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 helpless, you know, innocent character. I definitely like having her be. I don't. I don't know if naive is the word, but. Yeah, she's. I mean, she starts off wide-eyed. She's intelligent, but she's definitely lacking the street experience that Blake has, and is rapidly getting educated in that. <laughs> well, she's a quick. She's a quick study. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, she's she's high int, low whiz, and he is high whiz, uh, low int, low luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I definitely. I definitely tried with Eleanor to make her be a character that not that she doesn't need help, but that she is not helpless. All yeah, of, all exactly. Of, all of the characters need help. Blake needs help because he's a absolute train wreck of a person. Um, Eleanor needs help because she doesn't necessarily know that everybody isn't on the level. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess with the scene with the confrontation in the first episode, an early draft that I had actually had Blake just shoot and kill the professor outright. But I didn't like that because I felt like it robbed Eleanor of agency in her own life that she yeah. was being rescued. And I mean, I guess I guess she still is being rescued, but she is a part of her own rescue. Yes, she, she is. Blake gives her the opportunity, but she takes it, she seizes it, she saves herself. And I think that that's important for her as a character, because just because she's naive doesn't mean that she's helpless. Oh, yeah. And for my, like, own performance of her, you know, I've been pulling from, like, she's very, like, I, I, again, when you suggested the character to me, I instantly wanted to do this, because, like, in my long history of tabletop gaming uh, there have been varieties of Eleanor um I am very drawn to the intellectual bookish character who is a bit naive bit bit you know babe in the woods about certain things like very ambitious um she has a lot of my traits just like it's almost like I adjusted dials on the levels of that like she has like I I amped up like my own natural curiosity um a a big ambition to you know to aspire to greater things um to and to discover things like an almost hunger to to uncover things and to solve things to be the first to a thing she's got a lot of that um and i'm pulling from like a lot of media that i really enjoy she is she's got little dashes of the like the um uh the overconfident anime mage she's got a little bit of that like (laughs) 
like Nash from Lunar, um, I'm thinking of, and a couple others where they're there's a little bit of like lack of confidence and lack of experience that gets covered up by, in Eleanor's case, a bit of sass. Um, oh, I, I and, love the sass. Yeah, she got some it. sass. <laughs> and um, I pulled like I love I love kind of the I don't know passionate bookish characters like Kath Avery from Rainbow Rowell's Fangirl. A couple a couple other sources um, were really big for me for Eleanor. Nice. And yeah, so she she means a lot to me in that regard. And um, noir wise, like probably my biggest influence in terms of like also being able to like try and inject some depth, not just like like surface level character to her, but like kind of the tone. Um, I will always look towards the movie Laura, which is probably my favorite noir film of all time. It is. If you have not seen it, it is a classic and should absolutely be watched, uh, especially if you like noir. Uh, it deals with a detective who's investigating the murder of a woman named Laura. You never meet her. She like is she's dead at the at the beginning of the film, and it's just him investigating her death. But the detective becomes obsessed with her and learns about her throughout the film. Um, and as he learns about her, yet yeah, just this obsession grows and grows and grows. And all he, oh, there's just this beautiful portrait of her, and the portrait kind of becomes its own. Like she, she has a presence in the movie despite being dead, and it's very cool. Also, young Vincent Price always always really uh, fun to see young Vincent Price. Yeah, uh, it's it's great to see any Vincent Price. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then I would just kind of lightning around for the, the next ones. Uh, you know, I mean, she hasn't she doesn't have a speaking role, but Daphne Howard was, again, kind of the I wanted to have her be the the femme fatale sort of character, but not as amped up and objectified. You know, I, I definitely tried to lead you that way. And then in the second episode, dial her back and kind of show that she's a person that actually has feelings and cares. And then, ah, oh man, uh, Gordon, which I just gotta say, uh, he, he's not here for this episode, but uh, big, big shout out to Stephen Kropa for one, Thank you. Uh, signing on to, to play Gordon. It was, I was kind of flabbergasted because uh, real talk, I've listened to, I listened to Stephen do some stuff on, uh, you know, the Dungeon Dome for the, the Compass Cats as Percival. Uh, I've listened to him as Ron, the Sasquatch on Neoscum, which, you know, just just check out all his stuff. Uh, he's 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 awesome. He's a good dude. And his voice is like a flannel shirt straight out of the dryer on a cold winter's day. Uh, nice. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got distracted on that. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, he he just knocked it out of the park as Gordon, which the key traits that I think I wanted for Gordon was I wanted somebody that is like more open more caring than than blake but not a pushover i wanted somebody Mm. that's that's trying to do the right thing but isn't afraid to just kind of plant their feet and be like i can't help you if you're not going to help yourself sort of character i haven't delved into all of the nuances of their relationship but i'm I'm, god i'm looking forward to more screen time between the two of them because they are the, the chemistry That's between be them exciting. is yeah I, I i love i love them i love them going on to the mystery for blake's guy to solve uh what am i really hiding uh well kale i don't know why don't you tell me what you're really hiding because uh i think i know what you're hiding 
And it's something that people will find out at a later date. Yeah. Stew on that one. Let that one ruminate for a bit. All right. Uh, that, that, that rounds out the mailbag for, for this episode. Uh, again, Gabby, thanks so much for, for taking time out from your travels to help me heave this mighty mailbag onto the table, spread out the letters and, and dole out truth and justice and character discussion. Oh yeah. No, of course. No, no time zone differences, nor the, the stifling oppressive atmosphere of New Jersey would keep me from, from participating. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, <laughs> you, you got any, you got any parting words for the people, uh, as we proceed forward into the holiday season? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess a little bit of real talk. Sometimes holidays can be really tough for people. They're not always super bright and cheery. And for people that it's not super bright and cheery, like, like always like here for you and you're not alone. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, like being part, like connecting with people as part of this podcast and everything, I just want everyone to feel welcome in listening and getting involved in whatever capacity they want to. And, uh, I want to express my gratitude too. Um, huge Christmas gift to me this year has just been being, getting involved in this and, um, meeting new people and being able to discuss creative endeavors. Like it's been incredible. So yeah, like, like, love you all. You're great. Oh, that was all sweet and shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I get a little mushy. Nah, it's, uh, I guess, I guess for me, for me, things that I would like to say, first and foremost, thanks, thanks to everybody that has liked the show, listened to it, retweeted it, sent in stuff, made art, talked to me about it, thought about it. It means the world to me. To have people like the dumb ideas that uh, I make. I, I really like making dumb ideas, and I will continue to do so until the oxygen no longer cycles through my body. Stuff's not dumb. <laughs> but uh, it, it really does mean the world to me. And thank you from the bottom of my cold, withered heart. Mm-hmm. If I could stress one thing to everybody... You know, not not to belabor the point, but yeah, the, the holidays can be rough for a lot of people. Not just the holidays, but every day can life. be rough. Yeah, life can be rough for a lot of people. If you find yourself in an opportunity to where you can give to people, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what charity to do. I know right now that One Shot has something going on with uh, Patrick Rothfuss uh, and World Builders. Yeah, World Builders, which uh, I am super behind. Uh, world builders is great, but you know, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever you can find, what, whatever opportunity you can find and seize to make life better for another person, do it. Uh, and it doesn't have to be giving money. You can be giving time. You can lend an ear to somebody that is struggling with stuff. All of those things help make the world better. And that's to me, that's what the holidays are about coming together, sharing what we have, and just kind of resolving ourselves to make things better. And, you know, I hope that going forward that I can that I can do that for people. And if if anybody out there is having a hard time, you know, like, like Gabby said, we're here for you. Um, you know, drop us a yeah. line. Let it let us because nobody nobody should have to feel 
hopeless. Not during the holidays, not ever. Oh, yeah. We're just, we're two creative nerds that have, you know, been through, been through things. So it's, it's all, yeah, like we're, we're here for you. We're not, we're, we're like you. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, with that said, uh, I think we're going to wrap up the mailbag. So I hope that all of you have uh, a happy holidays. And I hope that you enjoy the next episode that's coming out because uh, it's got some stuff that it's is going to be good. It's gonna. I'm so excited. It's gonna blow your mind. It's so exciting. All right. Come back. You gotta listen. <laughs> All right. Until then, take care. Bye bye.